Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. What a beautiful day. The sun is shining outside. I believe His Spirit is shining upon us here today. I'm turning your attention to the text of the great prophet Isaiah. We're going to look at the 61st chapter. The Lord has really arrested me with this text this week. I will tell you in advance, I think that this message is specifically for some, but it is generally for all. But there are some of you today that if you will acknowledge this, if you'll grasp the faith factor of this message, I believe it can help some of you get to the next place in your life that family dynamic you're struggling to get past that internal turmoil that you have been allowing the enemy of your mind and your spirit to just wear you out you don't want to let him but it's been happening if we can grasp this both individually and collectively as a church I believe the Lord can really help us very familiar portion of scripture I'm going to read verses 1 through four. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes somebody say amen the oil of joy for mourning. Oh, amen. The garment of praise in replace of that spirit of heaviness that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Why? That He might be glorified. And they shall build the old wastes. They shall Raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. I would like to preach to you for a while here this morning on a simple thought, and the title cannot do justice to the weight that I feel, but I I, I feel like I need to either convince 
or remind someone today it's a good deal it's a turn to two or three people around you give them a little chicken elbow and tell them it's a good deal it's a good deal <clears throat> I know we've prayed already several times but would you would you intentionally take a moment with me right now and every person maybe just pray a similar prayer God let your word do its intended purpose will you pray that with me right now across this room just pray that God let your word do its intended purpose your word is always meant to do a specific work first and foremost leading people closer to you praise God praise God would you clap your hands one more time unto the Lord praise the Lord you may be seated you may be seated this morning thank you to our music team for all of your excellence and leadership today is there anyone in the house that like me ever loved baseball cards any childhood memories yeah raise your raise your hand real high if you were that person yeah when I was a child brother Brown I loved baseball cards I loved trading baseball cards they're gonna show you a little picture here this is what my Saturday afternoon looked like yep right there and I can remember going to the Beckett come on have, oh yeah I said Beckett and some of y'all went hmm felt a little witness and you'd go and you'd look up what those cards were were really worth but Brother Stephen, one of, my, one of my favorite things about Saturdays is we would go to a little shop downtown called The Melting Pot. That's what it was called. And it was a baseball card store. I don't know why it was called The Melting Pot. doesn't make sense. I think that was the name of the store previously, and when the new person took over, he just didn't even change the name. <laughs> but we'd go in there, and we would, we would try to buy cards. Still wondering. I mean, I didn't earn any money at that point in my life. The only way I earned it as if maybe my parents gave me enough money to leave the house for a while <laughs> go downtown have a good time and I'd go into the melting pot and and one thing we would do is we'd take a little bit of money with us to try to buy some cards but we also would take cards with us because the goal was to trade up I'll give you two of this for one of this I'll give you three of this guy for one of this guy trying to work depending on what type of a card it was and I know right now it seems like they're trading digital cards I don't get that I'm finally getting to that place in my life where I'm like I don't like this new way of doing it. <laughs> hmm. yeah I, I, I was pausing waiting on somebody thanks for not letting me down I I tell you this you always had to make sure one of your friends didn't swindle you. Right? Oh, it's a good deal. Trust me. <laughs> the devil is a liar, and I'm not so sure about you. Come on, give me your, give me your Dawson, and I'll give you. And I remember there was different times as a kid. I'm looking at the car. I'm like, I don't even know who this guy is. You haven't heard about him? Oh, this is his rookie card. You're going to want that. That thing's not going to be worth a nickel. Trying to trade it, trying to do a good deal. 
The one thing I loved about going to the melting pot, that little store, we'd go there, and the guy was no nonsense. He would always tell me whether or not it was a good deal. He understood the value of what we had. Depending on what my friend said, it didn't really matter. He knew the actual value. He was tracking what was coming down the road. He was able to speak to me. I loved baseball cards so much. I can remember there was this thing when we were kids that, that they would strap cards into the spokes of a wheel. So I thought that was blasphemous. So do that with playing cards, but not baseball cards. But in order to understand value, I needed somebody with a better perspective than me to help me determine value. It was just this last year that I was able to watch my own son, Carver, open up that box and go through all those cards that I guarded so precious as a kid. I've kept them all this year. And I, and I tell you, people that know me well know I am not a hoarder. I don't like to keep things. I drag it all to a pile and burn it all. Give it away. But those were so sacred to me, I'd kept them hoping for what happened this last year when I walked into his room and all those cards were spread out upon the room. Can I tell you something? In that moment, it didn't matter what the Beckett said about them because the transition from one generation to the other felt priceless to me. We have been given a truth that is so precious it cannot afford it cannot afford to be missed in the handoff from one generation to the next. And we cannot allow some modern spiritual Beckett to try to determine the true value of what we know is eternal, eternal value. But it does matter in a deal. If you're a bargain shopper, I want you to raise your hand. Tell on yourself right now you're a bargain shopper. You are a coupon person. Crazy coupon lady is a person you follow. You, you are a bargain shopper. You, you fight for a deal. You like to get a good deal. I don't want to give too many details. You're going to see on the, uh, on the screen a little image. Recently in Australia, a man walked into a convenience store. He was after a deal of his own. He walked in, he had on a mask, and he had a, a gun in his hand, and, and he, he, he laid down a $20 bill, put it on the counter. He said, give me change. He pulled out the gun when she went to get the change. It wasn't just a mask that he, or it wasn't just the sunglasses that he had on, and it wasn't just for the hood. When she went to give change, he pulled that gun up out of it and said, I'll take everything in the register. The frightened little girl behind the register started to get the money. But, sir, no, give me it all. She said, But, sir, he said, Give me it all. Police report said that in his haste, he grabbed that crumbled group of bills from that young lady and he ran out of the door leaving his $20 on the counter. The only problem was there was $15 in the register. <laughs> no, I'm not sharing his name just in case he sees this message. It goes a lot of places. I don't want him to show up here. You need to make sure that what you're getting is a good deal. 
Especially if you're willing to go to jail for it. My goodness. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? Getting to come to church and experience His grace, this is a good deal. <laughs> Some of you, that's not deep enough for you anymore. So let me, let, me, let, me, let me just try to help you right now. The God of all eternity, for some reason, takes time to show up here every time we gather. And here's the reason. If two or three will get together in my name, he said, I will be in the midst of them. Do you recognize we are entertaining angels unaware, but there are even some angels we are aware of in this place when hundreds of people come together in the church? Do you, what was that first song we sang? Do you remember? Enter the gates. With what? Nothing but praise. Heaven goes. Why? He inhabits the praises of His people. He can speak promise in an overwhelming time. That is exactly what the great prophet Isaiah has done. The Babylonian captivity was a reality, the anguish of which was continually on the lips of His people. How can I be one of God's children and endure captivity? How can I endure hardship? How can I be one of His children? Had this very conversation standing in the hospital for prayer yesterday. Sometimes it seems overwhelming. I'm trying to live for God. I'm trying to serve God. I am in fact, according to Scripture, a child of God. And yet here we are. But aren't you glad for a prophetic promise? A prophetic promise that I don't have to live this way forever. Preacher's pause. Because even if He does not heal your body, this is not forever. I would venture to even say to you that this life is not even living. This is temporary Preparation for really living. Those who are going to find their healing while we stand over their casket, really what is taking place is the understanding that they have been transported. For to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. And I understand that some people want to call that a joke, the way we celebrate. But we don't fear as others fear. And we don't doubt as others doubt. So can he heal cancer? Yes, he can. But if he doesn't, my promise is that there is coming a day. Man, I got to preach this to somebody this morning. Can he heal your diabetes? Yes, he can. But if he doesn't, it's still a good deal. Can he take care of your marriage? Yes, he can. But if it doesn't happen, 
it's still a good deal that I get to walk in here every week into the grace and the mercy of God, into the power of His Spirit, into the demonstration of His righteousness. I'll still take this deal. I said, I'll still take this deal. He's good when I feel good and when I don't. He's good when I feel helpful and when I feel helpless. He's good because my, my little bit of living, my 70 years if I'm lucky, is not even a fraction in the grand scheme of what it meant when your soul began to inhabit a body and you begin to walk around on the face of the earth. All that we're seeing right now is through a glass darkly. We're, we're only catching a glimpse, but there is coming a day. And ladies and gentlemen, when I read the headlines and when I see the news and when I try to get my eyes fixed, I've got to go back to Scripture and I've got to be reminded. I know that it might seem dark. In fact, I feel like it's probably darker than the time of Babylonian captivity. But I believe in the power of Jesus Christ and I believe in what He has come to do. Yes, I do. And make no mistake, he was anointed. For we read it from the great prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 61, but we watch it played out in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus in the synagogue begins to read from the prophet Isaiah. Reading of the acceptable year and reading of Isaiah, they oft thought that he was speaking and making the, 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 the assimilation or the reference to Leviticus and the year of Jubilee. It was the practice that every seven years would be known as a sabbatical year and, and that they were to leave the land to rest. We're not going to plow, we're not going to harvest. But after seven sabbatical years, after 49 on that 50th year, it would be the year of Jubilee. And on the year of Jubilee, it would be when those who had been able to take property, it would be turned to the rightful owner and the correct lineage. Those who had been servants paying off a debt that they could not afford were allowed to go free. It was a reset, if you will. It was the year of Jubilee. But can I tell you that with his very birth and with his very life and with the existence of his ministry, Jesus stood in the middle of the temple and he told them, I need you to understand everything that you have been looking for. I wish that I could get every alcoholic in Indianapolis to know everything every pain you've been trying to drink away, every hurt you've been trying to get over, every old abuse you've been trying to get freedom from, it's, you know the old song says, it's all in him. It's all in him. That's not drawn from just any well. Brother Chris, they threw the bucket down into Paul's description of Colossians when he looked at the church in verses 9 and 10 of Colossians chapter 2 and said, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
Do we still believe that? Are we still a one God church that believes in Jesus dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily? And it'd be powerful enough if it stopped there. But it goes on and says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all of all principality and power. I'm not saying there's not principalities. I'm not saying there's not power. I'm just saying, I'm just saying he's bigger, he's badder, he's stronger, he's greater, he's got more ability. He's got more ability. But here's where we're at. Here's where we're at. You can either accept it as a prophecy or you can accept it as a promise. If you recognize it as a prophecy, you don't have to take ownership of it. But if it's something I promise you, you probably plan on me coming through on my word. I'm going to say something right now. I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. But if you don't apply what I'm about to read, Isaiah is not a false prophet. If, if you don't allow him to do the work I'm about to read to you, it's not because Jesus' promises aren't true. You've got to accept this. But I'm going to tell you that in the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that death, burial, and resurrection plan, you can find the answer for anything you need. Anything. Somebody said, Pastor, how are we going to reach this city? I said, in Jesus' name. Same way we're going to get out of bed in the morning. In Jesus' name. Same way we're going to pray. I laid hands on somebody over here just a little bit ago, and I began to pray. I spent a long time praying with them. And the way I was praying, I said, Lord, you know I don't have the right words to articulate, but I do have the right name to pray it in. Whoa! I got the right name. I got the right... Isaiah, 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 what are you telling us? He said, listen, 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 listen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath, what? Anointed me to preach. For people that don't like preaching... Don't care. I don't want to be preached at. We'll be preached to. I got to be preached to. I get preached to. Sometimes it feels like I'm being preached at. You know what I found out? Usually the difference between feeling like you're preached at and preached to is your own spirit. It's true. The word has been known to cut from time to time. I've been cut by the word. Oh. Anointed to preach. To preach what? To preach what? Come on, Isaiah 61, verse 1. He's anointed me to preach good 
tidings unto the meek. I am anointed. I want to tell you something. That the ministry of Jesus Christ was an absolute example for us. Yes, I, I, I thank God for what was accomplished through Simon Peter. Yes, I thank God for what was done through the Apostle Paul. But the truth is I was not baptized of Paul and I was not saved of Apollos. I was not saved... If I'm going to look for someone that I want to model my life after, I want to be like, follow me as I follow Christ. I've got to follow after him. I've got to believe, as a believer, I have to believe that the Spirit of the Lord was manifest in the flesh. I've got to believe that when Jesus looked at Philip and said, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. My, my, my. I've got to believe that Jesus was not just a prophet. He was not just Isaiah or Jeremiah or John the Baptist. Or one of, no, 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 no. When he stepped into this world and he began to walk, he was, in fact, the manifest Son of God. He was God manifest in the flesh. He was anointed for the agenda. I said he was anointed for the agenda. And I've got good news for you before I read this. He was the same yesterday. He is the same today. And he will be the, he'll be the same forever. That's why we can live in him with power. We need the church, but you can't only live for God when you're at church. How many believe it'd be easier not to live in sin if you could just take some of your closest friends with you? Right? I used to creep my young people out. I'd find a young person who was just really having a hard time. And I, I would say, here, I want you to take this picture of me home. I want you to put this on your mirror in your room. When I, I want you to put it by that screen. Because you've associated that if the youth pastor knows or if the pastor knows or if the... But watch this, ladies and gentlemen. He is walking not just with us. He said, I've been with you, but I'm going to be in you. I'm going to walk. You have... The you're going to take this treasure in earthen vessels and I'm going to walk with you. Thank God for the power of communal gathering. But when you step out of the physical building, you do not leave the promises of Jesus Christ here. Somebody ought to shout, I'm not leaving his promises here. I'm not leaving his promises here. If they preach that I can be healed when I walk into the appointment this week, I'm going to believe that he walks with me. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Your promise is bigger than your procedure. Your promise is bigger than your dilemma because your promise is in the Word of God. If it was just something I made up, you should be resistant. If it was something I came up with, you should be skeptical. But it's not. So here we go. Here we go. Isaiah 61 verse 1. I got to calm down. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to what? <laughs> 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 
to bind up the broken hearted. I want you to hear me as clear as you can. I'm not going to yell so there can't be any excuses that I didn't hear it over the clapping. You don't have to live broken hearted. You don't have to live broken hearted. No, you can't go back and make that right. But I'm telling you, he has the ability. How's it happen? He said it happens through preaching. It happens when you submit yourself to the Word of God. And the, if I preached you anything else than Jesus, then it might not happen. But today I am on a mission to just preach Jesus to you. I am on a mission to just preach Jesus to you. Because He can reach into the situation of a broken-hearted individual. And it was more than just a prophecy by Isaiah, but it was played out in promise. I'm going to try to pull a story from the life of Christ for a few of these examples. And if you know me, it is so tough for me to jump from narratives but the Lord has instructed me to remind us of some situations today. Imagine the life of a widow in Luke chapter 7. A lady who has been left alone and her only son. There he is. Her son has died. She is following the body. She is literally walking behind the coffin weeping and crying and when it seems to be too late and her heart has been broken Jesus walks up not at the right time. We say that all the time about the Lord. He showed up right on time. He was late. If his timing was susceptible to ours. But his timing is not susceptible to ours. You've got to watch this. He walks up by. She's crying. They're playing. They're mourning. He walks up, touches the coffin, walks on by. The boy... Tell me that wouldn't have been overwhelming. What do you do if you're the guy carrying the coffin? <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't have dropped that coffin. Where's Brother Gray? Brother Gray, you'd have dropped that coffin in a hot minute. It didn't matter how long he'd been dead. And it didn't matter how broken her heart was. She had cried so many tears. She was probably dehydrating at this point. But Jesus walked into the situation and said, I know everybody's mourning, but I can take the broken hearted. It was more than a prophecy. It is a promise. I can... And I know maybe it's not been the loss of a child or the loss of a loved one, or maybe it has been. But if you're here today and your heart has been broken, I've got good news for you. In an instant, in an instant, all he's got to do is touch the death of your situation and he can put it back together. Let's read on together. Proclaim what? Liberty to the captives, language that was drawn from the deliverance of Babylonian captivity to describe the deliverance of sin. He said, I know that you keep focusing on Babylonian captivity, but I've got to tell you there is a captivity that is greater than Babylonian captivity. It is the captivity of sin that wants to drag you. It wants to drag you to hell. Everybody in this room needs to be understanding of that. The enemy has one goal. It is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy and your peace. He wants to kill your promise. And he... Mm -hmm. 
He wants to destroy any chance of peace that you've got. But there is one whose name is Jesus. He came not only to give life, but life more. I told you I'm just preaching Jesus today. He came not only to give life, but life more abundantly. That's why every now and then you might have been in the church for 30 years. But every now and then you start thinking about what he's done. And the life more Woo! And you cannot help but worship him. He, he came to proclaim liberty to the captive. I don't know if there was a greater sense of captivity than that leper that came to him in Mark chapter 1. When you were a leper, it seemed to be the visible nature of sin. That leprosy that was eating up the body, it isolated you from your family. It isolated you from your friend. And maybe the scariest of all, it, it, it brought you away from the ability to gather for worship. You had to walk even from a distance crying unclean, unclean, unclean. But this leper comes to Jesus. He was totally out of place. Let that sink in. Totally out of place. Hey, hey Jesus! If you wanted to, you could heal me. You ever had a conversation with God like that? What's the deal? If you wanted to, you can't touch, you, you can't touch, you can't talk, you can't get close to anybody. But Jesus was not intimidated. He is not intimidated by you. He is not intimidated by your sin. He is not intimidated by your sickness. He is not intimidated by your captivity. I'm reminded of the story in timing right now of one Brother Graham used to tell. He talked about being on a plane heading to, to fly and preach a, a revival. And had he not preached it publicly, I wouldn't share this, but he's preached it multiple times. And it was a story that affected me greatly as a young man. He was on his way to, to fly and to preach a conference and he began to have a conversation with the individual that was next to him in the seat. And the individual looked at him and he said, well, I'm going to pray for your conference. He said, I just kind of casually said, well, thank you. That's fantastic. I appreciate that. And the guy looked back at him and said, no, I don't think you understand. He said, well, enlighten me. He said he reached down into his bag and he pulled out a book of witchcraft and he set it on that that little desk in front of that seat and he opened that up and he said when I say I'm going to pray for your meeting he said I'm going to pray against your meeting he said I am a warlock and went on to begin to talk brother Graham said something came over me and without missing a beat he said I reached down into my bag he said and I grabbed my Bible he said and I set it on top of his and said I don't think you understand he said there is no power in heaven or earth that is greater. He said that man fell out in the eye. I don't know what you're battling today, but I'm telling you he's greater. He's stronger. He's more powerful. He looked at that leper and said, I will be clean. I want to speak to somebody in this house today and tell you he will. He will. He will. But you've got to allow it. Tap your hands under the Lord and give him praise, would you?
Somebody shout amen. amen. How, about, how about the opening of the prison? To them that are bound. I'm telling you, this reads real good. But it's tough to see play out in live time. How many know sometimes it's easier to shout it than it is live it? Wow! Mm. I told you about a little boy. How about this? How about four days late he shows up to the rotting carcass of Lazarus? We're way past processional. We're even past odor. It's one thing for people to know you're dead. It's another thing when even your scent changes. Hmm. Why do you think I'm backsliding? You stink. Your life stinks. It's always funny to me when people are shocked that they get called out on it. I don't know what you mean. It's like a billboard. I'm dead. How did, how did Lazarus' sisters feel? Brother Kevin, how did they feel? They were, they were, I think they were mad at Jesus. You can't be mad at the Lord. I think they were. I think they were. If you'd have been here, your fault. Right? Because we all naturally look to deflect blame. Life and death happens. Do you realize Lazarus could have died that day, never raised again, and it's still been in the will of God, and he could have, listen to this, he could have died happy having been a friend of Christ. But Jesus steps to the tomb. Steps to the edge of the grave. What's he do? Come on, help me out. Participation. What's he do? Yeah, listen to the murmuring. All right, Lazarus, come forth. How, how many of you, if given that moment, how many know you would probably put your best preacher's voice on? Brother Turner, I'd give it the best one I have. <clears throat> Lot! I wouldn't, there would be no like, Lazarus. If you wouldn't mind, I got distracted. I was supposed to be here days ago. Would you mind getting up? He just confidently, Brother Zach, strolls to the edge of the tomb and said, Lazarus, let's go. <laughs> and the guy... Say, don't do that. That's embarrassing. When he delivers you, you, you think his sisters cared? Or do you think he cared what his sisters thought when he had been brought? Don't laugh at me when I leap in church. I was dead. Don't laugh. Don't laugh at me when I hop around. Don't laugh at me when I run aisles. I was in the grave. I was dead. Everybody rose.
me off. Everybody thought I was over. Everybody, they said I stunk. And he walked to the edge of my grave and he said, come on. And I didn't have any answers. I didn't have any choice. And the truth is nobody in this room would be here had he not walked to the edge of your tomb. Some of you, I'm going to preach it, buddy. I'm going to preach it like I feel it. Once he raises you, you got to stop acting like a dead person. You got to stop acting dead. Well, it's not feeding me anymore. It's not fulfilling me anymore. It's not doing. If it doesn't do anything for you that he brought you back to life, you've got the problem, not him. I'm going to preach to me. I'm just going to preach to me. Sit down. I'm going to preach to me. You sit down. You just sit. You just listen to me. You ever preach so much? You ever be through so many worship services? You ever get it so many times that you stop being impressed? Why are you yelling at me? If you ever stop Josh Carson being impressed by the power of his resurrection and what he has done in your life, you better hit your knees and repent and ask God. Because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's, all that he's done for me, my soul, my soul cries, hallelujah. I don't even know who's running, but I do know this. We got a bunch of kids going home to homes where they don't even believe the truth, but this is real, and this is true, and this is powerful. If you want to come down front, just come, 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 just come. If you come, come with thanksgiving. Come with your hands lifted. Walk down with your voice lifted. Come on, we got to be a people who worships the name of Jesus. Brother Gwaltney, Here's what I believe. I believe he can reach to any person. Man or woman in this church, please hear me clearly right now. For the person sitting here saying, but I can't beat this. You don't have to. He can. I am reaching. I reached last week. I am reaching right now. I am reaching some, for somebody that will just let him be Jesus. Just let him. You know why in Luke 4? You know why in Luke 4? He wouldn't even finish. And they wouldn't accept they wouldn't even accept it. Sister Jessica, he read in Luke 4, he's standing there. He's reading Isaiah 61. They would not accept it because it was easier for them to accept it as a prophecy than to be a promise in actuality. As long as it's a prophecy, 
I don't have to confront my lifestyle in real time. But you got to let him move from prophecy to promise. You got to let him move from prophecy to promise. <laughs> 